stuff to help us to think about what it is we do as a church and, and why we do those things. And today's theme is why bother to pray? And uh, to be honest, as I was preparing this, I started to think, why bother to preach another message on prayer? So I must have preached dozens of messages about prayer over the years. Actually, this time last year, we were in 50 Days of Prayer. Those of you around remember this, where we spent uh, Mondays to Fridays over 50 days, prayer meetings every day, and Sundays for 10 weeks, we were teaching on the theme of prayer. And that was actually a pretty remarkable uh, couple of months for us. And, you know, I'm so grateful to the Lord that uh, he led us to do that. I'm so grateful that we spent that concentrated time thinking about prayer and praying uh, at October through to December last year, kind of in the lead-up to what we had no idea was going to happen. I'm so glad that we were kind of prepared, in a sense, spiritually, because we'd spent this focused time on prayer. And I think that's one of the reasons why, actually, in many ways, we, we've uh, known so much of the Lord's blessing over this coronavirus season, is that we've got ourselves spiritually prepared, because we've been focusing on prayer. And one of the uh, emphases, not only of those two, three months last year, but of my whole ministry here, which has been nearly 13 years now, has been to encourage us to pray more and to pray better. One of my real focuses and desires is that we'd be a prayerful church. And there are opportunities at this, at this time for us in, in how we pray. Last Sunday evening, we had an online Zoom meeting for church members, and we prayed in that, and it's great to be able to do that. Uh, it's often easier, actually, in the evening to gather over Zoom than it is to get people out of their houses, and it was great to have a big crowd of us together praying online. Uh, this Tuesday, we're restarting our Tuesday morning prayer meetings here, 9.30 to 10.15. If you're able to get here on a Tuesday morning, we're going to gather to pray. So there are lots of opportunities for us to gather and pray together, but of course, there are also so many limitations at the moment. It's harder to pray in many ways when we're together because of the limitations of social distancing and face masks and all the rest. So it's good to remind ourselves again about prayer, why we bother to pray. And we're going to use a psalm to help us, Psalm 90. You can turn to it in your Bibles. It will be up on the screen as well. Psalm 90, a psalm about prayer, a psalm which is a prayer, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. This is what Moses prays. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. 
Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Why bother to pray? First thing, we bother to pray because it defines us as men and women of God. This psalm is titled, A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. That's a great title for a psalm, and it's a great title for Moses. Who was Moses? He was a man of God. And what was it that defined Moses as a man of God? Moses was the greatest leader that the people of Israel ever had. He was set apart from birth by God. He had an amazing encounter with God in the wilderness when God appeared in a burning bush and spoke to him. He was the leader who confronted Pharaoh, king of the Egyptians, and led the people of Israel in the Exodus out of slavery into freedom. He was an extraordinary man, but more fundamental than any of those achievements was his relationship with God. It was less about what he did and more about who he was. Moses, the man of God. Moses really lived in the presence of God. He knew what it was to be in God's presence. In the book of Exodus, uh, we get a picture of this. It says this, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to their tents. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. That's uh, that last line, I think, is one of the most beautiful, one of the most tender verses in the Bible. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Moses knew about prayer. Moses knew about God. He knew God. Now, we're not Moses, but... Jesus has promised us the Spirit of God who indwells us as God's people. Jesus said, John 14, the Spirit, he lives with you and will be in you. When Moses went into the tent of meeting, the, the pillar of cloud, the Lord's presence, came down in front of the tent. Jesus promised his people that the Spirit of God, the presence of God, would be in us. And that means that we have an immediacy of connection with God, because God dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. And it's living in that immediate sense of the reality of God's presence that makes us men and women of God. You know, you could be um, an expert on Paul, but never live here. You could know all about Paul. You could know all about its history. You could know about its trading history, links to Newfoundland, about the pirates that used to be based here. You could know all about the geology of the harbor. You could know about the clay mining history and everything about Paul, but you could know that without ever living in Paul. It's different when you live in a place from knowing about it. And prayer is our way of living in 
the presence of God. Which leads to the second thing is that we bother to pray because there we find our dwelling place. This is how Moses begins his prayer. You are our dwelling place. You are our dwelling place. Now, we live physically in BCP, but prayer opens our eyes to a wider and deeper dwelling place. God has been God for always. God has been God before anything else existed, and God knew us before anything else existed. God eternally planned to know his people. And so that means that God's people have, in some sense, eternally dwelled in God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place through all the generations, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world. Somehow the people of God have dwelled with God for countless millennia, even before we were born. This is what it says in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. God knew us. He chose us. He's called us to dwell with him. We live in BCP, but we're dwelling in God. And as we pray, we're reminded of this. We have the security of being held by God. Where is our dwelling place? It's in God. It's eternally been in God. And that lifts us above so much of the pettiness of our world. It lifts us above kind of petty nationalism. It lifts us, lifts us above all the issues surrounding identity politics, which are so prevalent in our society at the moment. Who are you? Who are we? Well, if you're part of the people of God, you're someone who dwells in God. And actually, eternally, God has known you and held you since before the world was brought forth, since before the mountains were born. God has been our dwelling place. When we pray, we're reminded of God, our dwelling place. Next thing is that we bother to pray because it puts human life in its proper perspective. This is a very uh, honest, realistic, sober prayer that Moses prays. People are like dust, a thousand years in your sight are like a day. People are like grass. Martin Luther, the reformer who I seem to quote every week, said, Today a person dies who yesterday had hoped to live another 40 or more years. Even if such a person had actually realized his hope, even then he would not abandon the desire for a still longer life. We want to live. We want to live a long time. Now, I don't think I've ever actually met Anybody who's seriously said, I want to live forever, I think everybody looks at life, looks at the world as it is, and, and, and thinks, I, don't, I wouldn't want to live forever in this world as it is. It's just, it would be too exhausting to, to live forever. But the reality is that pretty much everyone fights for more life. And the evidence of that is extraordinarily clear at the moment, how people are clinging to hold on to life. I heard... Uh, Q&A on the radio the other day about things you should and shouldn't do during coronavirus, and somebody's saying, should I go and visit my 90-year-old grandmother with my children? And kind of what a question. 90-year-old grandmother, not going to see her grandchildren and great-grandchildren in order to protect her from death, but she's 90 years old. What's going on there? Now, in prayer, we come to one 
for whom a thousand years are like a day. And that's very humbling. Moses' prayer says that we're like the grass. That's a humbling thing. We come to God, for him, a day is like a, th- a thousand years is like a day. He lived to 90, he lived to 100, but in the Lord's side, it's just like a day. Less than a day. It's humbling, but it's also liberating. Life is going to go on without me. That was true even of Moses, the greatest leader that Israel ever had. It wasn't in the end dependent upon him. And I think that's a real kind of liberation in recognizing our our mortality and and our creatureliness. Even as I've been reading this psalm this week, I've been thanking the Lord for for my mortality. Thank you, Lord, that in the end it's not dependent upon me. It's not, I'm a mortal, I'm a creature. For my lifespan in the Lord's sight, it's going to be like less than a day. That's actually a huge relief. It's not something to be afraid of, it's a massive relief. The world isn't dependent upon me. Thank you, Lord. You're the one who is eternal. My life is brief. And I think this could be especially relevant and actually especially helpful for those who are anxious at the moment about the virus. If you're feeling anxious about the virus, anxious about mortality, remember who you are. Remember that you are mortal and you're meant to be. And actually that's good because eternally we dwell in the Lord's. We can cling far too tight to this passing life and not think nearly enough about the reality of our eternity in God. We have this hope that God has known us eternally and he holds us eternally. As Christians, we have a hope of new life, resurrection life. This life just passes like a day. But we're going to have countless millennia to enjoy the presence of God in the new life God is going to give us. The next thing is we bother to pray because it reminds us of God's holiness. Some of the ways in which Moses prays here are quite different from how we'd normally pray. He prays, we're consumed by your anger, terrified by your indignation. All our days pass away under your wrath. That's not really the kind of way that we normally pray. And we do pray differently from Moses because of what Jesus has done for us. There's a difference in terms of how Israel, the people of Israel, lived under Moses' leadership and how we now, the church, live under the leadership of Jesus. The letter to the Hebrews makes this very clear. It says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further words be spoken to them. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Under Moses, that's how things were in their relationship with God. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, the spirit of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Yes, we have Jesus. And this means that things are different. We don't come to a terrifying mountain. We come to Jesus, the one who's made a new covenant. But God is no less holy than he ever has been. God sees us. God knows us. And uh, God is awesome. This is what it says a few verses later in Hebrews 12. 
since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's good to remember at this time, as everything's been shaken, we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. God is holy. And the closer we get to God, the more we realize his holiness. It's like getting closer to the sun. It was lovely standing outside this morning in the bright sunshine and feeling the warmth of the sun, but actually being quite overwhelmed, squinting into the sun. It's so bright. You want to be close to the sun, but you don't want to get too close to the sun. Don't have to get very much closer to the sun than this planet is, and the sun becomes something which isn't good. It becomes consuming. And actually, we need this. We need the awesome, holy Son of God in our lives. We need some awe in our lives. So much of life is just trivial. So much of life is mundane. If life feels mundane, if life feels trivial, then pray. Get some awe in your life. Because we come to a holy God, our God who is a consuming fire. Fifth thing is that we bother to pray because that is how we experience God's love. It's how we experience God's love. Moses is uninhibited here in asking for an experience of God's love. Look at what he says in verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Prayer and worship hang together. Now, prayer isn't just singing, but prayer should always be worshipful and will normally include singing, and prayer leads to singing because prayer brings us into an experience of God's love which fills our hearts with joy and causes us to sing. And so when we gather to pray as a church, we, uh, when we, we always sing when we gather to pray, and as we sing, we always end up praying. The two things are intertwined because praying is a way of experiencing the love of God and knowing his joy in our hearts. Prayer is where it gets personal. We experience the reality of God's presence. And that's why prayer should never just be reading through a list of requests. It's about a relationship. Think about how Moses is described. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. That's not working through a list. It's engaging in a relationship. And very often we're most conscious of God's presence, most conscious of his presence love when we're praying and worshipping with other people who are praying and worshipping. Look at the way that Moses describes this in the plural, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. It's when we're together that we often most tangibly experience the reality of God's presence of his love for us. Jesus said where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. It's where we experience the love of God. And we should pray, we should pray together, we should pray that we would be a happy church, a people who do know the joy of the Lord, where we can be glad all our days because we experience the reality of God's presence amongst us. And the last thing is that we bother to pray because prayer produces lasting results. Verses 3 to 5 of this 
prayer, Moses focuses on our mortality. He says we're like dust, we're like grass. Comparison to the Lord, one thousand years in his sight is like a day. That's who we are. But then, verse 17, he prays, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. We're mortal, but Lord, bless our work. Give it some value, some lasting integrity. Apostle Paul says the same thing or similar thing to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The work we do for the Lord is not in vain. It has enduring reality, purpose, and fruit. And so Moses prays, let us know your favor. Or that can also be translated as beauty. God, make our work beautiful. The things that we do for you, let them be favored. Let them be beautiful. And Lord, establish the work of our hands. Make our work lasting. We're like dust, we're like grass, but may our work endure. Now, what we're about here at Gateway, what we need to pray for is that we would build something beautiful and something that lasts. We need to pray that we'd build something that reveals the splendor of God to the next generation. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. We want the coming generations to know the beauty, the splendor, the majesty, the grace, the goodness of God. We want to build with gold and precious stones, not with hay and straw. We want to build something that will endure eternally. God, establish the work of our hands. Let us know your favor. Let it rest on us. Why do we bother to pray? Prayer is what defines us as men and women of God. Prayer is where we are reminded of our dwelling place that God holds us, has eternally held us. It's where we see things in proper perspective rather than the limited short-term way we tend to look at life. Prayer is where we see how awesome, how holy and majestic God is. Prayer is where we experience the reality of God's love for us. And it's through prayer that we build things which will endure, which will last long beyond our mortal lives, which will somehow be carried through into eternity. God, establish us. Establish the work of our hands. Let your favor rest upon us. Lord, I do pray that for us. I pray that we would be a church which is shaped by and dives deep into prayer, that we'd be those, we'd be people who together do know what it is to be in the presence of God because the presence of your Spirit is alive and filling us and working in us. I pray that even this morning as we're together, we'd have an experience, an experienced reality of your presence, your love poured out in our hearts. I pray that we would know the joy of the Lord as we are in your presence. And Lord, I ask for us, I pray that you would favor us, you would establish the work of our hands, that what we're doing, the, the things we're giving ourselves to as a church, Jesus, would stand, would endure beyond any of our lifetimes, that there'd be things which are, are built because of our labors, which last for our 
children and their children, actually throughout the ages. Lord, would you favor us and establish the work of our hands, we pray. Thank you, Lord, that prayer is powerful. And through prayer, we come into your presence and we know you. Let us be a people who know what it is to pray, to be in the presence of God, and to see something built which endures. In your name I ask it, Jesus. Amen.